are you done yet? And I'm like, hell no. Like that's, if that person is screaming hell no, then like keep at it, you know? The Unearthed Women podcast celebrates travel through the stories of women. Today's episode is adapted from an Instagram Live interview on the Unearthed Women at Home series. In today's episode, editor of Unearthed Women, Nikki Vargas, chats with Caitlin Murray, founder of Purposeful Nomad, a tour company that curates ethical and sustainable off-the-beaten-path experiences that connect the visitor to the culture in authentic ways. Caitlin, I want to dive right in first with how are you doing in quarantine? I am doing, I'm doing well considering. Um, I've actually surprisingly adopted to quarantine lifestyle quite well. Um, I did not think I would like it at all, but I actually have really enjoyed it. It's been the opposite of kind of how my life has been. And um, it's, for me personally, it's been really good um, in a lot of ways. There's been some like really high highs and some really low lows. Um, it just kind of a whole roller coaster of emotion. Um, I think coming out of March, uh, I spent a lot of April just mentally and physically recharging, which is something I really needed to do anyway. Um, and the slowdown has been much appreciated. Um, I think anyone, any anyone that owns a business knows that it's very rare to get a break <laughs> in work. Um, so I've really kind of relished in that and leaned into it. Um, so you know, I'm doing okay. I like. I it's weird. I have good days and bad days. Some days. I'm like super hopeful and I'm like, oh, you know, everything will work out just one day at a time. And then other days it like really gets to me and I just fear this unknown because we still really don't know what, what is going to even happen in the fall. And for me, the unknown is, it gives me a lot of anxiety. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I feel all of that. I, I, I love to ask this question at the start of these chats because I think it's sort of like a temperature check of how are you doing? This is, this is such an unprecedented moment. Uh, we're living through history right now. And, you know, this pandemic and this quarantine, it's, it's, it brings up a lot of emotion. And exactly to your point, there's good days, there's bad days. Um, I have found myself gravitating to new passions that I didn't know. I about. know, I've so been watching this. you. <laughs> so I'm getting real into cooking, yes. let me just say, like really into cooking. Um, so I'm curious, for you, with all this time at home and obviously not out traveling, have you discovered any passions that you didn't have time to really cultivate in the past? Um, you know, I haven't really discovered any new talents. I've actually tapped into some things that um, I've always loved, um, you know, like reading and doing a ton of nature walks. Um, I have been nesting like crazy. I have two other, two really big events happening in my life, which is I'm having a baby and then I'm moving. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm moving from the West Coast to the East Coast two months after having said baby. Wow. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm moving to the Boston area, back to my roots after 15 years being on the West Coast. So I've really kind of just focused on 
transitioning um, and preparing for those two things. Um, you know, nesting as much as I can for the baby. We're not really dedicating um, a room to this to this baby because we're going to be moving. But you know, doing lots of prep work and um, just organizing and downsizing. I've sold so much stuff and already started packing, and it's made this whole transition feels so much less stressful because I've actually had the time. I can't even imagine like my life as it would have been trying to do all of this. Like it doesn't even seem realistic, <laughs> but yet that would have yeah. been it. I mean, that's amazing because you're, you're like in transition upon transition upon transition. It's like here, one of those years, lot like of bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to talk to you, obviously, about Purposeful Nomad. Um, and I actually see Anna from our Guatemala trip just oh, joined. Hello. 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 <laughs> a little bit of a reunion here. Um, I want to talk to you about your company, Purposeful Nomad. And this is something that you founded and started. For those who are unfamiliar with it, who are hearing about you and your work for the first time, I want to start from the beginning. What gave you the idea for Purposeful Nomad? Um, well, it was actually an idea, uh, me and a friend started it um, back in 2015, and it came from just obviously a deep-seated passion of traveling and really discovering um, the local community, really doing some hands-on activities, really just kind of diving into more of just like the backpacker scene or the, the kind of beaten trail. Um, and actually, like, I, it really came because I was looking for a job. I had worked in tourism as a guide and all these different things. And I was ready to make the next step. And I really wanted, I was looking for companies that did these kind of immersive, super unique tours um, for women. And there really was, and I was like, I want to work for this company. And I, we, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find what I wanted to work in. And so then, you know, many years discussing with a friend, we're like, let's start something. <laughs> so I kind of created the job that I was looking for. Um, and from there, it's just kind of taken off. Um, so definitely a passion to really show people a much deeper side of travel and how it can positively affect um, the communities that we go to, and that's really the focus, not necessarily how it's going to affect us as travelers, because I think that just comes with um, comes with these experiences, but really how, how we're affecting the, the places that we're going. Um, and to me, though, that's the star of the show, not the travelers, is it's where we're going and supporting them in that. You know, I'm so curious about the logistics. Like, like I... I have a dream of one day doing a tour to Colombia. Um, I'm originally from there. I go there once or twice a year. I'm absolutely in love with my home country. And I, and I have this idea of like doing a woman's tour to Colombia and taking people around and meeting, like showing them all the places that I love. And I have no idea the logistics of actually planning a trip for other people, whether you front the cost and then you recoup the money or, or you first sell the ticket. Like, so I'm curious, as someone who does this for a living and someone who owns a tour company, when you were planning that first trip, what did those logistics look like? 
Oh, well, it took us, it took us two years to really hone in on our first trip and come all tour companies do it differently. Um, for us, we want, I wanted to start from scratch. I didn't want to use any other experiences or organizations or any pieces of itineraries from other tour oper operators or destination management companies. I wanted a completely new and very unique tour for Purposeful Nomad. And so that happened um, over a course of time, a lot of research and a lot of on the ground getting to know um, the people that we wanted to work with. And Ecuador is amazing because in sustainable travel, everyone kind of knows each other. So once we got the, bol the ball rolling, um, people directed us to trusted contacts, which for me, if if I'm not, if I can't trust you, like there's no way I want to work with you. So um, trust is huge um, in building um, our connections with people abroad and um, organizations abroad. So it started really slow and just piecing together what we thought was the best of Ecuador. And I can totally see you doing this. Like I'm sure you've got such great ideas on what is the best of Colombia and what is no one else doing? Um, and then also who is actually really invested in supporting their local communities and who's doing some great stuff. The last thing we wanted to do in our community engagement part of the trip is invent something new. We just wanted to tap into other people already doing great things in their communities um, and, and just support them in that. Um, now, Many years later, the process to planning a trip, of course, is much quicker. I, I have built a Rolodex of people and contacts in the industries. Um, I feel like I know what to look for. Um, generally now, the trips are planned not by destination first, but more by contacts first. Um, whether it's an individual, whether it's an organization that looks interesting, um, Generally, that's kind of the first piece and then building the trip around that. But, you know, logistics can be tedious. So you have to kind of like to problem solve and be detail oriented. I happen to love planning. I love logistics. Um, and so that to me is the construction of the trip is one of my favorite things to do and see it come alive. Um, and there's a lot of moving parts. One tip now that I know that is much easier for me to handle stuff is I always, I try to pick one person um, that I can trust in every country that really helps me with logistics, whether it's, you know, restaurant reservations. In Guatemala, it was Avania. She's amazing. Um, not only was she our guide, but she's also like a master at um, finding exactly what we need and helping me uh, put it together. I see. So sorry, my phone just like glitched out right there. Um, you know, one of the things that I loved about our Guatemala trip was how just how authentic it felt and it didn't feel posed in any way. You know, what I really enjoyed was it felt like we were really there being part of the community. We went to this kite festival, we constructed kites with locals, we stayed at a homestay, we were learning how to weave. And so you see a lot of tour companies today throw around the words ethical and sustainable, but I wonder when you're 
building a tour and you're choosing a destination, like how do you ensure that it actually is a trip that benefits that community? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's really great to hear because it's really easy to say all of those things and not really know or not really do it. Um, I think travelers speaking behalf of tour operators is a huge, huge thing. Um, when you feel like something is really authentic, I'm like, I love hearing that from my travelers because I can say it all day, but really it's, it's the word of the travelers that really gives me credit for that. Um, so I, one is intuition. Um, two is I definitely ask questions. Like I want to know, you know, where is the money going? Who runs this business? Is it local first? You know, I'm, I don't really deal with a lot of foreign owned um, businesses. Um, so definitely kind of being local, being from there. Um, what are their missions? Um, how are the women getting paid or the people getting paid? If there are people getting paid, what's the end result? Um, what do they want from us? How can we help? So all these different questions I ask. And you can tell some people don't want to divulge stuff. um, And that kind of is suspicious to me. Um, I also talked a lot to, like, for instance, Manos de Fe, um, where we go in and work with the women's co-op. I actually talked to the women in the co-op and not, you know, not the people managing it. and, And just hearing like their stories and their gratitude and their happiness to be a part of something and really sharing the history of weaving, which is really what it's all about, um, is, is great proof to me that, you know, they're in it for the right reasons and also they're being treated well and they're getting paid for their crafts. Um, yeah. So not being afraid to ask questions and like, if you have a weird feeling, that's, that's probably because something is not right. I will say for those who don't know what Manos de Fe is, so Manos de Fe, when we were, when I was on the Guatemala Purposeful Nomad Tour, which I had the honor of traveling on with Caitlin, we visited a female artisan co-op called Manos de Fe. And this was such a cool experience because these women are upholding the art of traditional Mayan weaving and they're using all natural dyes and everything is just, locally sourced and it was really really cool so this is a perfect example of how one of her trips just really goes into the community and shows you what the locals are doing and how they're making a living and showed you and shows you these grassroots organizations that i think a lot of people miss when they travel um and on you that know, too, one of, like in yeah. guatemala and many other countries we work in india especially there are tons of women's co-ops that's a very like very loose term there. And so for me, it was really important. Like everyone's claiming they're a women's co-op and all the women benefit from yeah. the sales of their products. Um, and that's great. But you have to go deeper than that to really discover, is it truly going trickling down to the actual artisans? Um, so I'm always weary when I hear those words, because India, too, there's so many women's co-ops and so many are like completely corrupt. <laughs> um, so just making sure that you do your research and um, really having some like local people that you can trust in. And luckily, I found those 
um, people when I went to when I went to Guatemala. So they helped me on that. Oh, can you hear me? Sorry, there's like technical difficulties happening here. All right, <laughs> it's like ah technology. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I wanna. When we were in Guatemala, we had an amazing heart-to-heart -heart conversation about the ebbs and flows of business and being founders of a business. And things can happen that are unexpected. There's good days, there's bad days, there's profitable months, there's months where you're struggling to get by, and this is just the nature of a startup. Now, you are in a very unique position where you are the founder of a startup company amidst a pandemic where countries that were open are suddenly closed down and Americans still can't travel to countries in Europe and it's, it's a very difficult situation. So I want to talk to you about the challenges there and when coronavirus hit and when the pandemic, you know, is happening right now and when countries started locking down how did you navigate that as a business? What was your first reaction? Um, I mean, it was definitely pretty frantic at first. <laughs> um, March was March was really tough. It was like, and I think I don't know if it was I was naive on how this would really impact us for the next couple months, or like we just didn't have all the facts, or it was like every day. Um, stuff just kind of kept unraveling and I really tried to scramble to keep it all together and I was really hopeful and then you know mid it was like March 19th was like D-Day and that's when basically flights stopped, borders closed, tour operators across the board, big global operators to small local operators suspended all their trips and when that happened I really knew that that was like time to stop stop trying to salvage. <laughs> um, and during that time, I was I have um, a few friends and colleagues that work for other tour operating companies. And I was texting them almost daily to see what they were doing. Because I mean, I was like, I, I don't know what the right decision is, you know, is, should I like postpone it? Should I not postpone it? Should I refund? Should I not refund? There were just like a lot of unknowns. And I just didn't know what to do. And so I, I looked to a lot of my colleagues for to see what they were doing um, and kind of followed suit as well. Um, people that have been doing this a really long time. So I found kind of support in that. But like, um, personally, it was devastating. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, just it just crumbled in the matter of, you know, two weeks, everything I had worked for for seven years just stopped and I was I cried a lot I felt like I was mourning something and I went through this period where I was like it'll never it'll, I'll never be able to do this again it's done everything I've worked for is over I don't know how I'm going to come back after this and it was like a real kind of bottom of the barrel um and I think a lot of it was just emotional stress from everything yeah um and it was, yeah, like from pretty much like 6.30 a.m. to like 8 p.m. It was just dealing with like crisis after crisis and, you know, feeling the news. And I felt like I was in like mission control or something. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I took a great break, huge mental rest. And coming out of that, I felt way more hopeful and positive and clear-headed. 
Um, and like, we're all going through this multi-billion dollar tour operators are going through the exact same thing as me. Um, and that gave me comfort to know that like, Oh, it's not just me. I haven't failed my company. You know, it's not anything personal or it's not like a lack of work on my end. Um, so that kind of allowed me to like take the pressure off. Like, it's okay. Like, take a step back. Um, there's not much you can do right now. And, you know, I think that release um, gave way to, you know, much better hope for the future. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you're saying is true. I think that, you know, I've had these conversations in both in public and privately among family and friends. And there's definitely this element of sort of Jesus take the wheel <laughs> right now, where it's just like, because this is such an unprecedented situation and because even right now the future is unknown, we don't know if we're facing a second wave. Right now states that had low infection rates are suddenly spiking. So a lot is really unknown right now. And because of that, I'm seeing this focus on just sort of day-to-day living, finding joy and happiness in the just little joys of every day and and sort of a move away from big picture thinking. And, you know, for people that are used to being in control, there's something also very cathartic there about giving up control a little bit. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. You nailed it. Like <laughs> it, that I am such a control freak and I have literally been walking through life the last five years completely like nerves just frayed because, you know, trying to make a business work and run it and travel. And, you know, there's a lot of elements, you know, you want to succeed, you've got these personal goals. And like, I mean, I last year was like, this is not sustainable for me. And I knew like something needed to change um, coming out of 2019, but I just didn't know what it was or how to reassess. So, like, my nerves were already, like, shot, you know, and I was already exhausted and stressed. So, um, this has, this, like, yeah, release of control has been so freeing, even though it's scary. I mean, especially in the travel industry, you're constantly planning two, three years ahead. Like, I've always said, I'm like, it's so hard for me to live in the present because I'm, like, already thinking about trips in, like, 2022, and yeah. that's all, that like whole mindset is totally left me. I'm like barely even thinking about the fall at this point. Now, I, I was on the Purposeful Nomad site and I did see trips for the future. So there is an element of future planning there. And, and I'm curious, you know, are you concerned about getting over, you know, helping people sort of get past their fear of traveling in like a post-coronavirus era. Because now there's sort of this whole new set of concerns of traveling. Um, Obviously, most of them sort of hygienically based. And so as you're sort of thinking about future trips or even the trips that you currently have available on the site for the future, are you changing anything or doing anything to sort of adjust to this like pre- or post-corona travel? Yeah, um, it's going to be, I'm like really anxious to see what happens in July because I feel like July is kind of the first month that international travel will start to happen. Um, You know, it sounds like mainly in kind of the Europe area, but 
Yes. So we, I have planned, you know, I have all the trips up for 2021. I do have three itineraries for the fall, you know, and it's really 50, 50 this, at this point, I definitely want to support travelers getting out there. Um, I really understand that, but I also want to support and, um, honor like what's happening, um, globally with the pandemic health wise for both of our travelers and our, um, you know, ground destinations. So it's still even like our trip, our trip to Georgia that's supposed to leave in September. It's not, you know, a hundred percent yet. We still have to like see what happens in the next two months. Um, the people that are signed up for the fall, I've definitely been in contact with them, and there is a whole new dialogue that needs to happen now with travelers, and that's really health and safety on the forefront of the conversation. Um, rather than kind of a side note. Um, and so what exactly those protocols are going to be? I know a lot of other tour companies have set up, um, you know, where they're like hiring companies to disinfect vans and giving masks out and, um, you know, switching up hotels that they are using. Um, and, you know, so I, I don't know how that's going to be implemented um, globally. It seems very difficult to start regulating some of this stuff. Um, I, on my end, am definitely going to be in contact with my ground operations as much as possible. Um, but there is going to be a level of risk. People are going to have to accept being the first travelers out of the gate. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, really just leaving your home at this point, like you just don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think just I, being I, open and honest and saying this is what we're doing. We're trying our best um, and having those conversations. Are you at all worried about people being hesitant to sort of go on a group trip with people they don't know? And, and I sort of like, as you're talking about, you know, precautions that companies would take, I imagine that one of those precautions would probably be like mandatory coronavirus test results for everyone going on the trip or something like of the sort. Um, but as it goes, and I've sort of been keeping an ear to the travel industry, I'm seeing a focus on people just wanting to escape deep into nature so just go deep, deep into the woods or wherever it is, just get away from everybody. And it seems like, you know, I, I think that that's a struggle for tour companies, both big and small, new and legacy, that before this, there seemed like there was a surge of group travel. And now I'm not so sure. So I want to ask you about the future of travel as a whole. And, and are you optimistic about it? Do you think we'll get back to where we were? Yeah, I'm definitely op optimistic, for sure. Um, how long it will take uh, remains unknown. Um, I do think, um, you know, nature-based, domestic, solo, car travel, all that stuff is really trending. Um, I think companies like myself um, will actually have kind of a leg up in the game because we are a small group. I mean, rarely are our groups bigger than 10. Um, we tend to kind of stay off the beaten path, um, and I think people are going to be looking for that. I also think there's going to be just a new mindset. People will want to connect more with the places that they go. It's almost like now that this glorious um, thing of travel has been taken away from us, um, people are going to be um, more conscious of 
how they move about the world, I hope. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think I so. Think I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So I think the small group travel um, will happen. Um, I totally agree that not everyone's going to be comfortable traveling with strangers. I think that some sort of testing would be ideal if everyone could turn over um, some sort of proof. Um, I don't know how legally to do that yet, but that's that's a very interesting point to bring up um, in the industry. I'm actually, I've been really involved in like webinars and panel discussions with all kinds of um, travel industry groups and organizations, and everyone's talking about what are the new safety protocols? What kinds of things should we look for moving forward? You know, how can we move forward as safely as possible? Um, so I've been listening in on a lot of that stuff, and um, I'm interested to see, yeah, like what it what's going to shake out in August as you know flights really start to start operating. So yeah, there's a lot. You know, it's such an interesting point in time because it's like everything that we know has sort of been cracked open and it's being redefined. And and I'm seeing this across industries. I'm seeing this amongst friends, amongst colleagues, just this complete redefining and readaptation of life right now as we know it. And from a pandemic standpoint, you know, it's a lot about, like you said, sort of adjusting to new standards, meeting high, you know, hygienic standards in a new way in light of the national conversation right now around racism and diversity, there's this amazing reckoning happening right now with diversity. And so I think ultimately this is a positive moment because a lot of changes are gonna be made. And one of the things that I've loved seeing personally is I've loved seeing people that are pivoting in their life and pivoting in their career. People that, who have been laid off, who suddenly are just like, you know what, to hell with it, I'm going to finally pursue this career path that I've never done because life is too short. And that's really been underlined these past few months of how short and unpredictable life can be. So I do have a question. <laughs> so my question for you is, is that, you know, owning a tour company and traveling the world for a living is a dream job for a lot of people. And for the people who listen to this on our podcast, on Spotify or iTunes, or people who catch up here or who have joined us today, if they are dreaming of a job like yours, what is your advice to them? God, you asked some really good questions. <laughs> um, I try. <laughs> definitely make sure you're in it because you love it. It is a very finicky industry. Um, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of logistical stuff working in many different countries at once. Um, so I think the passion is definitely what fuels me, number one. Um, and also, you know, I try to look for what what is there a lack of in the market and really try to fulfill a need that, that maybe wasn't there or that I couldn't find it and kind of build on that, um, don't do what like everyone else is doing. You know, look at what, do your research and try to do something different because ultimately I think that will make you stand out. Um, you, there are so many tour companies and um, operators to choose from. 
Um, so we really wanted to do something different because I didn't want to, you know, why reinvent something that other people are already doing? Um, and that just happened to be, you know, my passion were these like super unique, connective, um, women led tours. Uh, now we're kind of getting into family travel. So trying to find like your unique niche, um, you know, but I've actually had a lot of like hard lessons. Um, and actually the, the whole pandemic and shutdown of the travel industry has brought a lot of those mistakes and errors um, to the surface and allowed me to like reassess how I want to move forward. And it's definitely not how I was as a businesswoman moving forward. Definitely not how I was the past couple years, which was on this gerbil wheel of go, 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 um, just constantly moving forward, never stopping. And I mean, it was stressful and exhausting and I felt like I was working really hard, not making the money that I wanted to make and not being um, happy and not having time to spend with my family and all these different things. And now that that has changed, um, I am really wanting to move forward in a much more like careful way and um, knowing that I can work smarter and not necessarily harder to get to where I want to go is kind of my new mission coming going forward. Because um, I think any business owner in any industry can get so bogged down with just the constant work and the constant things to do that sometimes you kind of really lose sight on, you know, where it is you're really actually going. That's, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's such a profound mantra to like live by, I think both in life and in business. And I, I can attest to everything you're saying in terms of just, there's so many ebbs and flows in a startup business. And you, I think it's very easy to lose sight of self-care. There's very easy to lose sight of balance. And, and it's very easy to sacrifice more than you ever expected on the altar of trying to get successful. And so I would imagine that a lot of startup founders sort of reach this point where they hit a wall, maybe the you know, bottom falls out from under them, and then they have to reassess and pick things up and move up forward. And I know with Unearth Women, we've definitely had to do that in terms of having to discontinue the print publication and transition totally to digital. Um, and it can be hard, but I think you're right. Like in the end, I think it's so important to just sort of take those lessons and I think you sort of walk a more balanced path moving forward and I always there's always this like piece of advice I heard like way back in the beginning of purposeful of starting purposeful nomad it was uh, it was businesses don't fail necessarily because they run out of money or they're bad ideas they generally fail because the person that started them burns out <laughs> that is, you know so it's like yeah. it's if you can, I mean, of course, there's factors. You have to support yourself and, um, you know, have some sanity. But that's always kind of stuck with me. And, like, when I'm in my lowest of low or I had a, like, bad month financially is you got this. Like, I'm not. And then I kind of tap in with myself. And I'm like, I'm not done yet. I feel like I'm just beginning. And I remember that line, like, I'm not going to fail because of this. So I have, I've got more in me and just that constant check-in of, are you done yet? And I'm like, hell no. Like that's, if that person is screaming, hell no, then like keep at it, you know? 
And I am certain that you will. I think that, you know, I, for one, want to join another Purposeful Nomad trip. Oh, my God. I had that such would a be blast amazing. on the last one. We'll definitely so, talk next year. Oh, yeah. I'm keeping an eye on it. I'm keeping an eye on the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for taking the time to join me today. That was Nikki Vargas in conversation with Caitlin Murray. This audio originally appeared as an Instagram Live and was converted and edited by me, Elise Fitzsimmons. Unearth Women is a publication founded by women for women with a mission to celebrate travel and report on women's stories. For more information, please check out the show notes. Like today's episode? Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe.